You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Revelation chapter 14, continuing our Bible study here. And we are going to just keep working through. I thought we were going to get uh, to the end of the chapter, but I think we'll, we finished last week with verse number five. I think tonight we might finish with verse number seven. And so we'll, we'll see how it goes. I wasn't really planning on going so detailed uh, through each of the chapters, uh, but some of it you just have to if you're going to grab it. And so anyway... Uh, Revelations chapter 14, and look with me at verse number 6. Revelation 14, 6, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth and sea and the fountains of water. So last week, part one of chapter 14, uh, we looked at the first five verses of Revelation. And we looked here uh, at the singers that were in heaven. We looked at uh, the Savior with the singers. We looked with the sight of the singers the sum of the singers, the sum of the singers, 144,000 there, Uh, the sound for the singers, the strings, the songs, and then the sanctification. And tonight we are going to shift gears, and uh, when we look into this chapter, we find that there were six different angels uh, that Uh, are referenced in this passage of Scripture. So look with me again at verse 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. And so tonight we have uh, Revelation 14, part 2, still dealing with 144,000. And so let's pray together. Father, we thank you. For your word, thank you that, uh, Lord, you have so much truth for us. Uh, not only did you preserve the truth, uh, Lord, you have, uh, have kept it, preserved it uh, for all of us. And we thank you for that. And now as we hold truth in our hands, I pray that you'd help us not to just uh, hold the truth. Help us to live the truth. Help us to know the truth. And so just guide us, guide our minds, our thoughts. And so help us tonight as we open your word. I pray that you just guide us for Christ's sake. Amen. All right, so we're going uh, to look at these uh, three parts tonight uh, out of this passage of Scripture. And we're going to look, first of all, uh, at verse number 6, and we're going to see the messenger, the messenger. Now, in verse 6, uh, the Bible tells us, uh, first of all, here it says, And I saw, what's those next two words? Another angel. Now, uh, in this chapter, we will find six angels. Uh, and the, uh, with these six angels, these six uh, angels are messengers. And here, the first one that we see that is dialed in and pointed out is this, is this angel. Uh, and he is called another angel. Well, if you have another angel, you know that there was an angel previous to him, right? 
Uh, so John is revealing and telling what God told him to write. But in this passage, you don't see what angel that was. You just know that there was another angel previous to this angel. And we know that there were six angels uh, in this passage because in, skip down to verse number nine. It says, and the, what? Third angel. All right, so we started with another angel. Then we have the third angel. So we know the unnamed angel was the first angel. All right, so uh, we had to have the first. Then the another was the second. Uh, then verse number nine had the third. Uh, go down to verse 15. Uh, in verse 15, it, we have another angel came out of the temple. Uh, so that's our fourth angel. Then uh, verse 17, and another angel came out of the temple. Uh, so now we have five angels. Look at verse 18. And then it says, and another angel came out from the altar. So uh, there are a total of six different angels or messengers that are referred to in this passage of scripture. Uh, we don't have all the details about these, uh, but we do know that there were six angels clearly represented in this passage of Scripture. Uh, so, so we see, first of all, uh, the messenger, and that was the second angel, okay? So we're just going to look at that second angel because we're just going to be in verse 6 and 7. Uh, so point number one is done, the messenger, all right? Don't hold your breath on the next two uh, being so quick. Uh, so here we had the first uh, the, uh, the first messenger that, that was the second angel. Uh, and then I want you to see the message. Uh, look at verse number six, the message. The message was the everlasting gospel. I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Now, when you stop and think about that, uh, here we have these, the, the message that was going to be proclaimed. The messenger is bringing uh, this everlasting gospel, and it was going to be handed off, and it was going to be preached and proclaimed. Now, uh, to every kindred, nation, tongue, and so the gospel was going to be preached. Now, in chapter 7, we had the introduction of the 144,000. Again, here in chapter 14, we have the 144,000. Uh, and so with that, we know that uh, these, these preachers are going to be preaching. Well, what are they going to preach? They're going to be preaching the truth that they're given, and the truth that they're given is the everlasting gospel. And that everlasting gospel is going to go out uh, to, ev to them that dwell on the earth, to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. You know, that's God's plan for his gospel to go to everybody. God wants everybody to have the gospel. Now, uh, first of all, we see that this is an everlasting gospel. It was an everlasting gospel that was to be preached. All right, it was to be preached, it was to be proclaimed, uh, the cry aloud, uh, it was to be presented, uh, and we are to proclaim the gospel. Here, uh, this is the last chance for some people to get saved. This is 
This is the time of the tribulation period. The church is already raptured out. The church is no longer, as in the church, the believers. Uh, they are no longer here uh, to present the gospel. Now God is giving them another, another opportunity uh, to be able to hear truth, to be able to hear the gospel. Uh, and uh, it needed to be preached. But these truths of the gospel, they're everlasting. Take your, hold your Bibles, place there in Revelation, but go, go to Psalm 12. Psalm 12, verse 6 and 7. Psalm 12. Psalm 12. Psalms 12, verse 6 and 7. The Bible says, The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation. What's that last word? Forever. Forever. And, and God's word, his gospel, it's everlasting. It's an everlasting gospel. Uh, the gospel is not just a temporary thing. The gospel is everlasting. And so the gospel, the good news, is what gospel means. Uh, the gospel is a good news to a people without God. It's, it's good news. Uh, why should we be afraid to tell somebody some good news? But just think about it. Why we have inhibitions about telling people the gospel. We shouldn't have inhibitions about telling people the good news of the gospel. Why? It is good news. Uh, it, is, it is good news for a people without God. It's good news for a people without help. It's a good news for a people without hope. And we, we need to com communicate that. Here in these last days, in this tribulation period, God is still, uh, he is still pushing and, and, uh, and driving to get the gospel out, uh, to teach people the gospel. Why? Because we have a God who is a loving God. It's not that God is a God of judgment. God is a God of love. And that same God who loves so much, he loves the people. He is also going to hate the sin that is going to hurt those people. He is going to hate that which is going to injure them. And, and we see the sin, and it's rampant in the world that we live in. But God is a loving God. Uh, and the good news of the gospel, it is good news. This world was in judgment, and this judgment was being proclaimed, and these people were a people that were already condemned. Uh, and what did God do? God is sending the good news of the gospel to them. He has preserved the gospel now he's presenting the gospel to them uh, because he wants them to have uh, that good news. Uh, and so uh, take your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And we'll see what the gospel is. Uh, not just what somebody said the gospel is, but what does God say the gospel is. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He tells us what that gospel is. All right, the Apostle Paul writing to this baby church in Corinth. All right, we know that this church, it was a baby church. It was a carnal church. They had all kinds of problems going on in the church. And so Paul was continually 
excuse me, continually correcting them, trying to get things right. And so in, in chapter 15, verse 1, he said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I have preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. You and I are saved by the gospel. Uh, it is the gospel that brings salvation. He says, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the gospel. There is no replacement for the gospel. None. There's no replacement. There is nothing better that we could communicate to a lost and dying world than the gospel. We can help fill somebody's belly, but it's not going to help them like the gospel is going to help them. And we can put clothes on somebody's back, but that's not going to help them like the gospel is going to help them. And we can try to put marriages together with counseling, and we can try to deal with battered wives and abused children. And there are a lot of social issues that are very real issues, but the reality is there is nothing that will change a person's life like the gospel. It's the gospel, and, and we can't get sidetracked. It's too easy to be able to get sidetracked on social issues without dealing with the root spiritual issue. And if you don't deal with the spiritual issue, we can put food in somebody's belly and clothes on somebody's back and a roof over their head, and they can still die and go to a devil's hell. And what good did we do them? If we give them a little bit of comfort for this little bit of time that we are alive down here on this earth. You know, as we talk with our, our seniors, their communication about life is not, man, I've had such a long life. You know what it is? Man, where did that time go? Where did that time go? It happened so quick. Just today, I had a little picture show up on my screen. And it was a picture that of, of me sitting in my office studying right after I first came. Well, my office didn't look like my office. It was less than half of the size. Uh, and there was wood paneling everywhere. Uh, and, and I looked at that picture and I said, who is that skinny guy? Who is that guy that has hair on his head that's not gray? And it was like, my goodness, what happened? I grabbed that picture, I sent it to Deb, and I said, do you remember him? <laughs> and it was like, oh my goodness, what has happened in the last 12 years? Uh, and I look back and it's like, man, it's just so quick. What happened in that period of time? But the reality is we only have a short life. What is your life, the Bible says? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And, and we have to make sure that we don't get sidetracked on all these other things that we forget to communicate the most important thing. And that's the gospel. 
There's no replacement for the gospel. There is no restructuring the gospel to make it sound as if the church's mission is something other than the gospel. Because it isn't. You know, as a church, we don't have a right to design what our church is supposed to be. Christ is the head of the church. And he has given us his word to to delineate what that church what his church is supposed to look like and what we are supposed to do and how we are supposed to operate uh, it's in his book and we're supposed to be following that uh, and so there's no there's no uh, there is no restructuring the gospel uh, a world that wants to deviate from truth speaks about my truth there is no such thing as my truth there is no such thing as your truth. There is, there is truth. And anything that's not truth is error. You know, we have no problem with that when it comes to math. Why is it that we have a problem with anything else? If I was in the classroom and and I told the kids, two plus two is five. They could all tell me, no, it's four. Oh, you guys are all so dogmatic. You think you're the only one with the right answer. But the reality is, truth is truth. Truth is not inclusive, truth is exclusive. Truth excludes anything that is not right. And that's where we have our problem is we don't want somebody making that definition of where, what, true, what is true and what is error because we might not agree with where that's at. But it doesn't mean that no matter what we think or what we believe, it does not change truth. Truth is truth no matter who says it. Two plus two is four. No matter what other number you throw out, it is wrong. It's not, well, this is my truth. It's, no, the answer is four. And when it comes to the gospel, there's one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way to heaven. There's not a Buddhist way to heaven. There isn't a Methodist way to heaven. There isn't a Catholic way to heaven. There isn't a Baptist way to heaven. There is only one way to heaven, and the true way to heaven is by grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is truth. Why? Because that's what the Lord has told us in his word. It doesn't matter who likes it. It doesn't matter who dislikes it. It doesn't matter who agrees or who disagrees. It has nothing to do with dogmatism. It has nothing to do with uh, somebody choosing their own way. It is just, that's how it is. Why? Because that's what God said. That's truth. So uh, we, we have to uh, realize that this gospel that is to be preached, it needs to be preached in truth. Jesus saith unto them, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Uh, it is only through faith in Jesus Christ. John 8, 32, the Bible says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. 
You know, before salvation, we are dead in trespasses and sins. We are in the chains of darkness. We are in the chains of sin. You know what salvation does? It breaks those chains. It breaks those chains. Uh, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the loving truth is that God loves you. That's the loving truth. And the loving truth is, the real truth is, God loves this world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, God has truth, and he wants to, he is holding it out to us, but we have to accept it. And God, even in the tribulation period, is going to be showing the gospel uh, to this world. Uh, the, the truth is that God loves you. The truth is uh, that God loves those people who reject him. God loves the people that reject him. You think about it. You know, it's hard for me to love people that don't like me. Somebody who doesn't like me, I don't like you either. I remember uh, they, they I've heard before, you know, it was always said that, you know, uh, girls had cooties and, you know, girls never had cooties when I was a kid. And, and I remember writing notes to girls, I like you, do you like me? Yes, no. Next to no, if you don't like me, I didn't like you either. I remember writing notes like that. Uh, and, you know, uh, the, the reality is we want to be liked. We don't want to be rejected. But what do we have? We have a God who loves the people even who reject him. Jesus on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They not, know not what they do. Even... Even as they, the people who nailed his hands to the cross and his feet to the cross and took that whip, that cat of nine tails across his back and uh, drove that, that crown of thorns into his brow. Uh, all of that was going on and the Lord was loving those people who rejected him. We have a, we have a God who, not only who loves, we have a God who is love. And because of his love, we have this thing called the gospel. It's good news. It's good news. We who, who owe a debt that we cannot pay, we can put our faith in a Savior who paid a debt he did not owe. He paid my sin debt. So I wouldn't have to. That's good news. And that's... You know, you know why we have trouble sharing the good news of the gospel? It's because we forgot how good it is. It's good news. It is good news. And such good news should be shared. And so uh, this, this good news, John 15, 13, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And that's the love that Christ had for us. Uh, John 3, 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Uh, you see, it is, 
uh, anybody who is going to go to heaven is because they have believed, they have put their faith and trust in what Jesus Christ has done. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again that third day. Why? To pay my sin debt. And by trusting his sacrifice for my sin, I can have forgiveness. What a, what a wonderful, what a wonderful uh, blessing. And so salvation, uh, it, is, it is a gift that comes. Now, the Lord is going to have 144,000 preachers to proclaim the gospel uh, to those that are on the earth. Now, 144,000, it sounds like a whole lot of witnesses. People are looking up at that screen. Did I spell something wrong? No? Okay. I was seeing a few Snickers, and I'm like, uh-oh, something just happened, and I have typed something in wrong up there. All right, so 144,000, it does sound like a lot of people, doesn't it? I was looking today at the, at the world population. It is a real-time world population, and they, they keep that track, and they, every day, 279,000 people die. 113,000 people are born. And right now, with that, uh, with, that, uh, 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 with that clock that's going on, that population clock, as of today, 7.97 billion people are alive on this planet right now. 7.97 billion people. You divide that by 144,000, that's one preacher, one voice for every 55,347 people. That is if the Lord would come back today. If he tarries his coming, that number just keeps getting bigger. And with that, with that population growth, we we see that, uh, that the, the, uh, uh, the, the necessity, we think that we can't make much of a difference. Well, our world is not 55,000 people big. As in, that's not how many people we are in contact in our world. In our personal life, in our world, there's a, there's a small sphere of people that we come in contact with. Those that are in a unit, and you've got 300 people in your unit. Do you know every one of them? The Dustin? No. You don't know three out of 300 people. And... We think that these messengers are going to be preaching, and each one has 55,000 that would be attributed to them if everybody was going to hear the truth. You know what? Right now, God has planted us as the light of the world. Yeah. And every one of us have people to communicate to. 
Every one of us have uh, those that we should shine unto, uh, that we should be doing that uh, individually as a church, corporately, as churches around the world. Uh, what is supposed to happen? Uh, we are all to be a witness for the Lord uh, because the reality is that number of witnesses is get, going to be very small here real soon. When the Lord comes back, this world is going to lose a lot of salt and light. We've got to do it now. Urgency is here. God did not give us this information just so we can uh, say, oh yeah, we studied Revelation. No, he's given us this truth so we can apply it to our life, so we can know what is going to happen. And it's so important for us to tell people now why the, while the church is present on the earth and the believers who know truth will communicate truth. So we see, first of all, uh, the messenger, that second angel. We see the message, which was the everlasting gospel. Thirdly, I want you to see the message, which was worship. Look at verse number seven, number seven here, uh, Revelation fourteen seven, saying with a loud voice, "Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him that made heaven and earth and sea and the fountains of waters." The message was a message of worship. You know, salvation and worship don't always go together. Just because somebody is saved does not mean that they are worshiping. This message is a message of worship. And, and these, this worship needs to be given to God. Fear God and give glory to Him. Fear God and give glory to Him. Uh, you receive the gospel... But after that, you know what's supposed to happen? We are supposed to fear God. And we are to give glory to Him. What is that? That is reverencing Him. That is worshiping Him. That is recognizing His place in our life. You know, we live in a world that rejects God as creator. We, we, ha we live in a world that rejects God as God. Go to Romans chapter number one. Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one. Verse number 17, we know that the just shall live by faith. And let's pick up in verse 18. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all, What? ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God, notice these words here, is manifest, what are those next two words? In them, in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen 
being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What do we find here? Is we, we find that there is a world that is rejecting God, and that world is rejecting God, but God is saying, listen, nobody will stand before me without excuse. He said, because, he said, in verse number 19, it says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. The Bible tells us in chapter 2 of Romans that he wrote it on the tables of man's heart. Everybody knows that there's a God. It's in them. God put it in them. Now, that does not mean that they receive him, it does not mean that they accept him, but they know there, God has put it in man that there is a God. Not only did God put it in man that there is a God, God also put it in man that we have sinned against him. You see, if we know that we are standing, that there is a creator, and that's in us, that means that somebody greater than us made us, then I'm going to stand before him. And if I'm going to stand before him, he's probably not happy with all the things that I did. That's why you can go anywhere in the world and you'll find tribal people. No matter where you go, people will be offering sacrifices. Why? It might not be to the right God, but they are, right, they are offering sacrifices because they know in their heart that they have sinned against somebody. And it's God. And the things about God are clearly seen, it says, by the things which are made. What's he talking about? Creation. Psalm 19, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. And so God wrote it on the tables of our heart. God has revealed himself to us in his creation. And not only that, God himself had manifested himself here on this earth through his son. And you know what? Nobody has excuse. Now, some of us have had a whole lot more opportunities to put our faith in Christ. There are some who have heard the gospel message over and over and over again. Some heard it once, they trusted. Some heard it for many years and then trusted. Some heard the gospel and have never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. But they're without excuse. Without excuse. You see, the message was a message of worship. Worship starts with God. Now, listen to me for a second here. Worship starts with God. Worship does not start with us. Worship starts with God. Worship is about God. Worship is not about how I feel. 
Do you know why a lot of the charismatic churches, uh, they will draw a crowd. And the crowd is built on emotion. How it makes me feel. Worship is not about how we feel. It's about God. I'm not saying we shouldn't enjoy worship. I'm just saying it's not about us. It's never about us. When it becomes about us, we're going the wrong way. When everything, when we start finding ourselves, well, I don't like this, and I don't like this, and I don't like this, and I, I don't feel this way, we need to start, that's a, those are flags that should be going off to say, hey, whoa, 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 where are you at spiritually? Because it's not about us. It's about God. Worship is about God. It's because of who God is, not because of who we are. Amen. Worship is about God. It's not about us. It's about who God is. It's, be, it's about what God has done. It all starts with God. Uh, salvation, it starts with God. It doesn't start with us drawing near to God. It is God who has already drawn near to us. It is God who has already worked the works of salvation. He has already had salvation's plan. He has already sent his son. He has already paid redemption's price. And he has, he has already communicated it. And now it's just up to us to receive it. Uh, it's not about us. It's all about God. Salvation is about God. It starts with God. It was God's plan. It was God's purpose. And it's about God having his people uh, who are saved. Uh, God is the one who designed salvation's plan. God is the one who decided to pay salvation's price. And God is the one who draws people to salvation. You know, if somebody doesn't reject or somebody doesn't accept Christ, that's not my fault. It's theirs. God, if somebody gets saved, it's not because of me. It's because of God. If by chance I get to be a part of it, that's wonderful. But the reality is I can't save anybody. And I didn't condemn anybody. The Bible says that he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. If somebody doesn't trust Christ, that's not our fault. It is our fault if we haven't told them. Not that they are condemned because they were condemned before you told them or didn't tell them. Their condition was already a condemned condition just like mine was before I got saved. And any other person, everybody was condemned until they put their faith in Christ and got that sin debt paid for. Uh, but, but it's all about God. The message of this, the, you have the message, and this message all results in worship. You know what? When salvation comes, the result should be worship. We should be worshiping the Lord. And if we're worshiping the Lord, our hearts will be drawn heavenward. Our, everything, our focus will not be 
drawn inward. It won't be about us. It'll be about him. You know, if our focus stays about him, everything else sort of takes care of itself. It'll take care of itself. You know, if we can keep our focus, I remember when I was learning how to drive, my mom, she would uh, take us out, and take me out, and I would, I'd get to drive, and I'd start looking right over the top of the hood and trying to watch those two lines and watch the edge line and watch the middle line and try to, and it felt like the car was so big that I was on both lines at the same time. Man, I had so much space, but I didn't realize that when I was first learning to drive, and I just felt like I had to watch both those lines so I could stay in front of it. And mom kept telling me, keep your eyes up, and you look down the road, and what's up close will take care of itself. Your peripheral vision will take care of what is up close, but you have to keep your eyes up looking down the road so you can see what's going on. If there's an accident, if somebody's in the road, you have to look down the road, and if you're looking down the road, you'll be able to see what's right in front of you. But if you're looking right in front of you, you're not going to see what's going on down the road. And if you're looking right down in front of you, man, you're going to be driving all over the place. You pick up your eyes and you start looking down the road, all of a sudden things start to even out. And things aren't as choppy and bumpy. You know why? Because our focus is right. In the Christian life, when we keep our focus on Him, everything else just starts to fall into place. Are you saved tonight? Do you know the Lord is your personal Savior? All right. With that, there was a message of the gospel that needs to be communicated. We need to be communicating the gospel everywhere we go. It's not just a Saturday event. It is everywhere we go, we should be communicating the gospel. And then we just need to be a people of worship, looking heavenward, keeping our eyes on the Savior. And we do that, he helps keep us on track. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. You know the needs of each heart. And Lord, I thank you for your word. And Lord, how you have, you have preserved it for us. And I pray that you'd help us tonight as we look at the truths here. Uh, may, may we truly understand uh, the importance of the message of the gospel. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to share it. Lord, there's times coming. People are dying and going to a devil's hell. I pray that you'd help us to be aware of that. And then, Lord, I pray that you'd help us when it comes to this area of worship. May our hearts be drawn to you. Uh, may we truly have a desire to please you in our lives and to lift you up and honor you. And then, Lord, when, as we worship you, I pray that you'd bless us as we, as we serve you. And so help us tonight. You know the needs of each heart. You know if one needs to be saved. You know if we have wandered from you. Whatever it is that we need to do, I pray that you'd work in our midst tonight, please. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. We'll have an invitation. The instruments will play. If the Lord spoke to your heart tonight, maybe you, you haven't uh, been communicating the gospel, or maybe you, you haven't been worshiping the way you need to, let me encourage you. Come and do business with the Lord. Maybe you're here tonight and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. You sense that you have a need of salvation. Let me encourage you to come. We'll have someone take the Bible show you exactly what God has to say about you going to heaven. The good news of the gospel.
To hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.